Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. May the Lord bless his word. Good morning. Raise your hand if you like airports. Yeah, a few of you. Who doesn't like airports? Ooh, okay. Wow, okay. So I I think airports are cool. All right. I think airports are cool. Well, first of all, we learned how to fly. All right. So that's, that's pretty cool. But not only that, now we do it at a massive scale. You know, if you think about every single day, there are millions of humans in the sky. Like, we do that, okay? And airports are this just big, dynamic place with, like, a lot of things going on. Bunch of different people coming and going and and the whole luggage system. Like, you check in your luggage and it disappears. It goes on a belt down into a hole and then you really hope it it shows up on the other side. Uh, Most of the time it does. Um, The food, there's fast food, there's snacks, there's like sit down nice restaurants, like fancy restaurants at airports, a lot of stores you can you can shop, and some of those stores, it's like really high-end stuff too, like people are buying jewelry at the airport, what's that about? There's this thing called layovers, people just hanging out, you know, in between flights. Now, I know airports aren't perfect, but really, if you think about it, two critical functions need to happen at an airport. Airplanes need to come and they need to go, all right? Airports need to send and receive planes. If if one of those functions stops, you know, like something is wrong if an airport stops one or both of those functions. If planes are grounded, that's a problem, right? And so I've, I've heard it before, uh, someone compared churches and airports. They, they compared them together because churches are dynamic. We're filled with a bunch of different people coming and going, sending. There's a sending and receiving nature to the church body. We come and we go. We gather and then we scatter. It's almost like an inhale, exhale type of rhythm. There's a natural summoning and there's also a natural sentness to the church. And so today we're taking a look at the church, we're talking church today, and we are considering the dynamic nature of church. The, the, the church is this dynamic home base where calling and gifting is received and nurtured, but there's also ascending. We also release people. We release the people for the mission field. Dear Jesus, help us to learn today weather, this beautiful day that you created, help us to just enjoy you and your spirit. Thank you for your grace, your love. Help us to listen in today. Uh, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. And so 
So let me begin by, by teaching first here. In Ephesians chapter 4, it teaches that Jesus gives his church. Jesus has given his church. He's given you guys. He has given his church the grace to function well. And there's five functions listed in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you read Ephesians chapter 4, what you'll see is that these five functions, they work together and there's some overlap, but they're there to prepare the church to do God's work, God's work of service. So that the body of Christ might be built up, so that we all reach unity, so that we, uh, we have unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, so that we become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So check out Ephesians chapter 4. It explains all of that. But again, as, as a church, how do, we, how do we function? How do we achieve our goals? What are we supposed to be doing? How, how do we achieve what we're supposed to be doing? And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. I believe these five functions, the graces of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. These five functions, they are the mechanism for achieving our goals, for doing our mission, for being effective. And also just growing together, growing in maturity in Christ, growing in Christian maturity. But of course, also in addition to these these five functions, these five ministry styles in Ephesians chapter 4, there's also other spiritual gifts that God gives us. There's one spirit, the Bible teaches, one spirit and different gifts. For example, like administration, wisdom and knowledge, the gift of faith and helps, service, leadership, encouragement, and so on. So if you think about it, God has a spiritually gifted church in whom you are all a part of. Not only does God have a church, God has a supernaturally gifted church. Every single one of you is a part of that. God has a spiritually gifted church. And there's an example of this in Acts 13, verse 1. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. Okay, so we're in ancient Antioch. And the house churches of Antioch, they are rocking prophetic and teaching ministries. Okay. Very quickly, prophetic ministry. Prophetic ministry helps discern spiritual realities in a given situation and then help communicate what God is saying in a timely and appropriate way so that the church can continue on in God's mission. Prophetic ministry, kind of paying attention to the signs and times, being able to speak into that, being able to speak into the life of the church. Teaching ministry, we're more familiar with teachers communicate scripture so that the church can continue to be faithful and learn how to walk with Jesus in this life, how to obey Jesus. Teachers help with that. So in the, the, this ancient Antioch church, in Acts chapter 13, five leaders are listed and they are dynamic leaders. There's Barnabas. We talked about him this, this month. Barnabas is the son of encouragement. He is a good man. He is full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of faith. He's generous. And we know he's from Cyprus. 
Then there's Simeon, nicknamed um, Niger. He's dark-skinned, most likely, most likely from Africa. And then there's Lucius of Cyrene. He's definitely from Africa. Cyrene is in modern-day Libya. There's Menaean, who was brought up with Herod Antipas. All right? So that's an interesting nickname. You know, Herod from the, the Good Friday story. Menaean grew up with him. Maybe as like a foster brother. But now he is one of these co-leaders in the Antioch church. And then there's Saul. There's a wild story. Ex-Pharisee. Ex-Christian hunter. Has this amazing conversion experience. And that was just a few chapters back in Acts chapter 9. And so Barnabas and, and Simeon and, and Lucius and Menaean and Saul. Just five leaders listed here. Once again, they're rocking the prophetic and teaching ministries in Antioch. The sacred family of God is spiritually gifted. And God has these dynamic leaders working in and around the house churches, the households of Antioch. They're building up the church. They're encouraging the church. They're equipping the church. And I think what is true of God and God's church is still true today. That God blesses his people with spiritual gifts. I believe God has given Plymouth Meaning Church everything it needs to be successful and faithful. And what's wild and beautiful is that nobody gets to sit on the sideline. If you are in Christ, you are supernaturally gifted. And you know what? Your church family needs you. We need you, possibly just to help you know, continue to establish and strengthen us. Perhaps God has given you this supernatural power that just helps us with direction, vision. Some of you are really good at, at coming alongside and championing our calls. Some of you are good at providing care for one another. You're just gifted in that, that shepherding skill. And of course, some of you, you're just really good teachers. You help communicate truth. You help explain Bible to us. And we need all of you. We, we need the whole picture, the whole, the whole church working together, building us up, encouraging one another. So this morning, as we talk about church today, I invite you all to think and pray about responding to where and how God wants to use you in the kingdom of God. And then specifically, how God wants to use use you in, uh, with Plymouth Meeting Church. Now, we're not looking for bodies to fill roles. What we're looking for is, is for you... Uh, this, you know, between you and God, as you hash this out, as you think about this, we're looking for you to be you and God working in and through and around you in ways that are only unique to you. Because there's only one of you, and we're so happy to have you. What ministry dreams and ideas do you have? What are your, your spiritual gifts? So if you're thinking... You know what? I want to get more involved here. Or 
I have this wild, radical idea, or you, you're in the community and you see a need and you, you're moved with compassion. Um, perhaps you're kind of struggling with like purpose. You're like, okay, yeah, like I, I get it, I'm here, but but really, like I, I feel like my, my purpose tank is kind of low right now. You need a place to start. May I suggest this three-layer approach of worship, fasting, and prayer? Because God may speak to you clearly in times of worship, fasting, and prayer. God the Father speaks to us all the time. And I can't explain how it works, okay? But I know that the Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is involved. And it might be at the beach. It might be at a gas station. It might be in the back lot of, of a small church in the Philadelphia suburbs. But God the Father speaks. Father speaks to his kids. And again, it might happen through a message, a sermon, scripture, devotional time, prayer time, singing songs, having conversations. But check out what happens next in Acts chapter 13, the church in Antioch. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and I think prayer is implied here, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. Uh, for the work to which I have called them. And so we get this portrait of worship, prayer, fasting. Now first, worship here, our English word worship. The Greek word that is used in this text is actually the word that we get for liturgy. It's the work of the people. And it can imply a bunch of different things. So these dynamic leaders in Antioch, you know, they were going about their religious duties. They're practitioners of the, the liturgy. They're performing acts of, of love and service for Jesus. Whatever they were doing, we can simply wrap all that up in our English word, worship. They're worshiping Jesus, and they're fasting. Now, fasting isn't a requirement, but it is a practice that they that they did. It's, it's a habit, a spiritual discipline. You know, different types of fast. We won't get into all of that, but simply, you know, you abstain from food, for example, and fasting helps kind of clear your, clear your mind and helps you focus on, on prayer. Chasing after something in prayer, listening to God through times of prayer and fasting. And so while these leaders are partaking in this three-layer approach of worship, fasting, and prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks. I'm not exactly sure what that experience was like. But then the Spirit gives them the next step. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Father has a calling over their lives. And they are set apart for special ops. They are commissioned to go and do what God is calling them to do. Now I want us to be careful here. Because we just said, you know, no one sits on the sideline. Everyone is gifted and everyone is needed and wanted in the family of God. But God does call certain people for special assignments, we can call them, you know, special assignments in his kingdom. And so when someone is set apart, the little worm of a lie that we need to be careful with is that we might believe this lie that says that these other folks who are called and set apart for special kingdom operations that, that somehow they're, 
they're better than everyone else or that they have more power than everyone else. All right? From a kingdom perspective, those who are set apart for special assignments in the kingdom, they're always called to serve. And it's not about having power over, but always power for others. In the midst of Christian persecution that is heating up in the Roman Empire, Barnabas and Saul are called now to be traveling missionaries. Go to the nations. All right. And this, this would be um, Saul or Paul's first missionary journey, about 12 to 18 months, going to places where they've never heard Jesus. Perhaps they're not even familiar with the Hebrew background. Of things. And so Barnabas and Saul, their, their trip is going to include traveling by land and sea. They're going to do a lot of gospel preaching. They'll do some healing ministries. They, they are going to face threats. In fact, Saul is going to be stoned. And, and miraculously, he survives. They don't stone people just for fun or just to hurt them. Like, they look for the biggest rock and they try to take them out in the first blow. Saul survives. This is going to be a dangerous trip. But they're called. They're set apart. Barnabas and Saul, go. Go serve. Go love. Go love on the people of the nations. And invite them to believe in the risen Christ, Jesus. And you know what? They were faithful. They were successful. But for now... In Antioch, nobody knows any of that. In an intimate moment of, of worship, fasting, and prayer, in the middle of their home base operations, God speaks clearly. He gives them a call. God speaks and God calls. And verse 3 says, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I think of laying, laying hands. In this, in this scene, at least, I think of laying hands as, you know, symbolic for, I'm with you. And these missionaries are then released to go do what God has called them to do. And I like how one commentator, you know, points how they, they didn't go to uh, missionary school. They uh, had no, really no data, no graphs, no surveys, no diagnostics. Calling and Holy Spirit empowerment can get you pretty far. And so what continues to be true in God's church today is this. God continues to call. God continues to set apart and release people for kingdom work. And every one of you is included in that. God has a calling upon your life. And you are set apart to do what God is calling, calling you to do. Now, some of you are in a season of life that I'll call a season of steadfastness. You're where God needs you to be. You're really not looking to ruffle any big feathers. You, like you're, you're just, you're going, things are good. You're being faithful. You are where you need to be. A season of steadfastness. Others of you, you might be in a season where you're hungry to know more about what God is calling you to do. 
perhaps you're you're just you're in the point where like, okay, what's the next something new, God, for me? What's the next something new? And so some of you might you're just itching. You're you're ready to explore calling and gifting. You're you're you want to explore this. And you know what? Calling, exploring calling and purpose, these can be challenging things to do. And so I just want to encourage you today, in addition in addition to worship, fasting, and prayer, may I suggest that you simply just take an inventory. Get out a sheet of paper and just make a list of things that you really like to do. Things that you're good at. Just write it out all on paper. Don't overthink it. And then just pay attention to what excites you. Is there an undercurrent, a a tug that sort of animates your heart just a little bit? Is there something that provokes compassion? It stirs you up in a good way. Perhaps as you're making your list, you're like, you know what? I, I really like to cook and I like to host dinners. Now for some, maybe that's just a nice hobby or maybe in a moment of reflection, You sense God kind of saying, hey, lean into that. Go ahead. Like open up your kitchen, open up your table, bring people in, bring people over, feed them. Don't underestimate what a little Jesus and a homemade dinner roll can do. Perhaps some of you, you love telling stories. You love telling stories. And perhaps God, you know, he's calling you to just keep it simple. He says, okay, I need you to be you. I made you to be a storyteller. Now go be with people and tell your stories. Okay? Keep them company. Tell Bible stories. Tell your testimony. Tell stories that point to good news. Or maybe some of you are, are struggling with like your job or parts of your job. Maybe in order to follow the calling that God has for you, you're going to have to leave your job. Or maybe you actually have to grow deeper into your job. I don't know. That's between you and God, right? And that can be messy. And and understanding calling and, and hearing that calling, it can be so challenging at times. But may I advocate this morning that if you think about, you know, what you want to do, what you're supposed to be doing, calling, things like this. May I advocate that you seek it out in community. Seek out counsel. Talk to people. Invite people in. Keep learning. Perhaps try something new and take somebody with you. See what happens. Here we go. What helps make our calling and knowing what we're supposed to be doing a little bit better? is when we have a healthy and supportive home base. A supportive, healthy church family that can come around each one of us and say, we got your back. And the good news is, as messy as discerning specific calling is to our lives, every single one of us shares a universal calling. Because Jesus has called every single one of us To love God and love people. Love God and love people right where you are at. And you're called to make disciples. Be a disciple maker.
And so sure, we get fuzzy on life situations, changing jobs, making moves, retirement, going back to school, pursuing a ministry idea. But this is what we can have clarity on this morning. You get to walk with God every single day. And you are called to love the person in front of you. So I invite you now to, to look around and smile at one another. Look at our, our, our church here in this parking lot. Let us acknowledge together how dynamic we are. We are a spiritually gifted church right here in the suburbs. And yes, we're still maturing in that. We're still growing. We're still growing into the image of Christ. But can we celebrate? You know what? We are God's church right here. And together, let's continue to seek out and hear what Father is saying to us. Let's listen in to what God is saying to us. And may we all follow to where he leads us. And so if you are struggling with that sense of what's my purpose, calling, things like that. While I can't just give you the answer, like, okay, you're, you're supposed to be in banking, you're, you're called to go to continued education, you know, I can't give you those specific, those specific answers. What I can encourage you to do, what I encourage all of you to do is to continue to trust God, to love God, do your best to reflect him every day, love the people around you. And in community, keep exploring what God is calling you to do. Let's pray.